You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. All right, welcome back to the Stateside Podcast. Today's episode is a special one. We have a YouTuber, artist, songwriter, producer, uh, all-around badass and entrepreneur, Alex Melton. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, man. What a, what a great uh, introduction. <laughs> well, I try. <laughs> Where are you located, Alex? Uh, I'm in a medium, small town in South Carolina called Florence. Oh, South Carolina. That's right. For some reason, I always think Georgia with you, and I'm always off. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, as long as you're in the southeast, that's close enough. Yeah. I have barely been to the south in my life. I did a little bit of touring as a young man in some bands and traveling a lot. I've been to damn near every state but those southern states. (laughs) You've been to Virginia, Tennessee, stuff like that. They do get skipped a lot, it seems like, on, on most of these types of tours, which, you know, I don't blame you. It's uh, it's really humid, unnecessarily hot. Most of the time you hit Florida anyway, but uh, the weather's pretty similar to Florida, so. Yeah, Florida, Nashville, and, and I guess Texas, those are like, usually bands stop through those areas. But yeah, South Carolina, I would imagine that's not a frequent stop for a lot of bands yeah i don't even know uh there's a couple venues in columbia but uh other than that you really have to travel to north carolina if you want to you know do anything fun so you're born and raised in south carolina yeah i i was born right on the border in, in rock hill south carolina right on the border of north carolina and then i moved uh down to florence for college in 2012 left and then ended up coming back for work uh, around 2015 or so. And I've been here ever since. So for those listening, I'll kind of describe how you and I first met. But when I met you, I think you, you were just about to quit your day job. Does that sound about right? A year or two ago, something like that? Yeah, it was, um, I quit uh, around October of last year. It was very like a, a soft quitting, if you will. It was I'm officially leaving. Here's my notice. I'll continue to, you know, do everything I can while you find my replacement type of thing. So it was a little bit of a gray, gray area there. But yeah, it was around that time that I was uh, thinking about quitting over the summer. And then when the fall hit, I kind of got out of there. It's a, it's a lovely feeling, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, I, I did music and my day job, which is which was, sorry, was a uh, like a production manager for a, a venue associated with the university. So I did both music and that for like a full year before I, I decided that it was like safe enough for me to, to leave one. Yeah, that's so funny. We have a similar journey. You, you actually hold a special place in my heart, Alex, and I'll tell you why. You are the reason that I met Dave Shapiro and now Matt and Tim Bohr or Matt Anderson and Tim Bohr, who are, who are my partners and co-owners of Stateside now, you're the reason that I, I started talking to Dave. Wow, that's that's exciting. That's very special. Yeah, because I was managing Alan Day, still am. Obviously, you collabed with him and Tom Denny, who I also now manage, but at the time, I didn't. Right, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so in, you know, in, in setting up that, that project with you and Alan, 
Dave managing you. So yeah, anyway, we, we started talking and one thing led to another and now we're all one big happy family and couldn't be happier. I will hold that close going yeah, forward, man, that, knowing that I was instrumental in that. <laughs> it's a small world and let that be a lesson. It's it's something that we talk about a lot on the show, how small the music industry really is. Also how small probably any industry actually is when, when it comes down to you know, I guess the gatekeepers or the people that can impact your life and give you opportunities. It's not that many people. And it's a good reminder to, well, to not be an asshole. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's a, that's a very good takeaway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How would you best describe yourself, Alex? And, and not, I don't mean you personally, but I, I, your, your, your business and your pursuit, what, what gets you out of bed in the morning how would you best describe what you do for a living? The phrase I've I've landed on is just like musical experimentation. I like to ask hypothetical questions. You know, what if this song was played by this band? What if this song was in a different genre? What if, you know, those types of things. At the end of the day, I like to arrange and produce. You know, I, I love, you know, reharmonizing. I love adding elements i love changing the beat of a song to to kind of show how different it can sound if you just tweak certain parameters so it, it's all like production-based musical experimentation and um it's really exciting to me because it feels like a fresh artistically sound way of going about covering songs because there's certainly there's certainly an and an, i don't want to say easier a more direct uh, way of covering songs uh, that that people would probably enjoy, but uh, I really want to demonstrate the power of arrangement and, and the power of a well produced, well thought out cover. The reason I landed on covers mostly, as opposed to you know writing, which I, I still do occasionally, but um, it's just it 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 feels like an easier way to get the point across if people already have a reference. So it's it's kind of like a comparison game of like, not better or worse, just different. And why is it different? How is it different? Uh, so the pursuit of kind of knowledge of uh, of the, the musical landscape in that way of like, every time I, I pick a song to do, I end up, you know, learning a new production technique or a new like chord change that I found was really interesting. So it's it's at the at the same time furthering my own uh, kind of wheelhouse in terms of what I enjoy and sharing it with other people and uh, kind of an advanced music appreciation class almost. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I love what you're doing and I think you're right. It is a unique take in fact, I've noticed you you name some of the the volumes that you release. It's like hypotheticals, volume one, volume two. That is what you're doing. You're you're asking a question: What if Blink One Eighty Two covered or or did this song? It's, it's a Dolly Parton song or whatever it is that you did. And I think it's also a really good inspiration for any content creator, generally speaking, out there that there are no rules anymore. And whatever works, works. Like, I, it's funny because I don't think of you as like a cover guy. It's not, it's not the first thing I think of because the way you're doing it is so original. And there's also a video component to what you do. 
but you're you're talented at that. The lighting looks great. Your cameras are good. Editing's cool. Yeah, I think I think you just represent a modern way of being a creator. So I I commend you for that. I think it's pretty cool. I, I appreciate that. I I I definitely uh you know I I can see where you're coming from with the I don't think of you as a covers guy. Not that covers guy means bad or no not at all. Know, but yeah, I I. Sometimes I have to remind myself of that too. It's like at the end of the day, it is other people's writing, which I, I use as kind of my medium to yeah. do my art, which is That's the right. arranging and the playing. And it is iterative, obviously, because if the original didn't exist, then my version wouldn't exist. And and I never want to take away from the originals that I cover. And, and usually, 99% of the time, have a very profound appreciation for the song I'm covering. I make sure to not come at it from the angle of how can I make this better? Or like, it's not like taking a shitty song and improving it. It's just, like I said, tweaking. And um, so yeah, it's it's really fun. And it is creatively very rewarding, which is important. You can only, uh, you can only do it for notoriety for so long and then it, it becomes pretty stale. So you, it needs to be like really inspiring to you. And, and that's, it's kind of, I, I feel like I've lucked out in that way. Absolutely. And I, I definitely pick up on the inspiration on your end. I think everyone else does as well. Also, I think what you represent, uh, a friend of mine, Finn McKinty, I'm sure you probably know who Finn is. He does a really large YouTube channel called the Punk Rock NBA. He's got a, a podcast as well for anyone want to check that out. It's highly recommended. But he talks about the, the truth that, that, bands because that's kind of what he knows is like a rock band setting that's that's kind of his lineage like it is mine and probably yours that the truth is at the end of the day you're an entertainer and if you're not entertaining then you're not gonna have an audience (laughs) you're not gonna have a market you're not gonna be able to quit your day job and maybe that's not the goal for everyone it's the goal for me to scale as a business it's obviously i'm in a different lane but for you, it's yeah, it's something that I, I think, again, I think you, you tapped into something that works. Because if all you were doing was covering songs and releasing them as audio, I don't know if you'd be as successful. In fact, I'm certain you wouldn't. There's a social media element to what you do. There's an entertainment factor. You're, you're charismatic. It's fun. I think you did like a four-year strong Christmas song a few few years back and that was one of the first ones that i had really it like because i'm a huge four year strong fan obviously a man jalen and um yeah i just i found it i found it charming and and highly entertaining yeah it, it is important to to entertain first because i will have ideas all the time that's like oh this would be cool or this would sound cool but there almost needs to be like a hook of an idea behind the cover that's something that I've I've basically had to learn by trial and error. I've been covering songs for ten years now. I, I started the channel uh, August thirty first, twenty twelve. So in two weeks, it'll be ten years. Oh wow! Oh, I had no idea you've been doing it that long. Yeah, I, obviously not nearly at the level I'm at now. Uh, I was fresh out of college in twenty twelve, and I just gotten Pro Tools a year prior, and I was still learning. It's a great way to learn is to do it. That's like kind of the only way to learn, especially in this kind of world. Every video, I learn a new technique, like I said earlier, and uh, that includes 
the premises of the video and the delivery method of the cover and the the you're right is it's I want to make YouTube videos. I don't want to just happen to host my songs on YouTube. They need to be YouTube videos. So that's that's a really important distinction that we're as a unit me and my team are are really trying to hone in on a little bit more than what I was. Yeah, I, I want to go back to how long you've been doing this. That's that's something that it, it's very rare that you find someone that hasn't been doing something for that long. It happens. Sure, there's the blow, the you know, the TikTok star kid that blew up over over the weekend. It happens. But by and large, that's very rare, and even when it does happen, it's also even more rare that that is sustainable and scalable. Because that's just human nature, you know, and I, I think when you develop something over years and you really tap into a true sincere part of yourself, which you did, then that's something that you can build on and people will, it may be a slower growth, but it is the right kind of growth. In that whole journey, how long did it take? You know, you don't have to give any sort of personal financial information, but how, how long did it take where you, you started thinking, oh shit. This is something I can actually do for a living, and I, I don't have to work that job that maybe doesn't bring me joy in my life. Like, how long did that take for you? Well, it's 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 a kind of a unique lane because this isn't my uh, intellectual property. And so I didn't even really know that it, there was a way to make money doing covers until, gosh, I mean... 20 probably like 2016 2018 somewhere around there where i i had like a little pop of like a, a video uh go a little bit viral you know compared to what i was pulling you know a couple thousand views per video and then something hit tens of thousands and then i saw the little in the youtube creator studio the little ad revenue that was always just flatlined at zero. It did this little bump, right? And I got like a hundred bucks from that video, and I'm like, "Well, I, I, wow. I put together that it was ads, right?" And yeah. um, but like, who who deserves the money for those ads? And so it took me even longer to figure out that there are ways to split it equitably with the original holder of the whatever the the content is. Usually, it's the label or the the, the publishing company. And so, yeah, it it was well into me doing this before I, I tapped into that side of it, to be honest. So how does that work? Publishing and royalties and rights and PROs and all that stuff gets really confusing. I, I talk about this very openly that that is my weakness. It's something I'm I'm trying to get a little bit better at. But I you know it, it I get lost in the weeds with that stuff pretty quickly and I know a lot of other people do as well. How does that work for for a YouTuber? Because I understand what you're saying. You make money off of ad revenue from the video, but it's from someone's original intellectual property. Is that just embedded in YouTube's code that the original songwriter gets the publishing money down the road? Or how, how does that all work? That must be how it is. In the case of my stuff, I thought I had like invented this new loophole, right? I was like, there's no way they can scan it to like match with another song because it's uh -huh. all performed by me. The only thing they own is like the form and the lyrics and the melody combined with the chords to make that specific song. Right. That's what I'm wondering. Yeah. And so, you know, the first the first year that I got traction, it was uh pretty much luck based. I, I would post a video and 
hope that the copyright holder didn't find me. And if they did find me, then they would claim it manually because it, their stuff, they have a right to do that. And YouTube would split it on the back end. Now, the, from what it was explained to me, performance rights in that kind of split should be around 80%, which is what I was doing. You mean 80% for you, the performer? Yeah. Got it. As long as no audio is sampled from the original, then they only really are supposed to get about 20%. I don't think that was, uh, that's always the case though. And so I, I have, I was introduced to this company, go in, they go in on the back end and they kind of negotiate a more fair split than what YouTube will just do right off the bat. So it's this Canadian company, BBTV, I guess is, is the, it's either that or Viso, or I'm not sure they go by a couple names, but so I kind of have to do the same thing that the copyright holder does. I upload my version to a database and then BBTV on my behalf cross-references my song with my video and claims it for me. And now you have two claims. Now these two companies behind closed doors discuss a split. So it really just gives me somebody to speak for me as opposed to me just being in the dark. Of course. Yeah, that's interesting. And so what about publishing? I mean, does that, you know, are, are the, the songwriters for the original tune, are they getting paid for that as well? Or is it just performance? Uh, I, I have to assume they are. But I, I'm not sure of the of what the actual real life split. Right, and I, that's what I'm getting at. If if like you said, it's all orig it's it's original. And as far as um, the embed is concerned, like you you are posting this video with a song that you tracked and produced entirely yourself, even though the 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 writing came from someone else originally. Yeah, that is very confusing. That's that's an interesting thing. Again, look the. The lesson in all this stuff is just the doing is more important and you'll figure out the details as you go. You know, people have questions like my fucking dumb question all the time. People ask these questions to me. They ask questions of our producers that bands ask questions like this and it's important and we need to get down to the bottom of it. But I think when you're first starting out, whether you're a band or a YouTuber or whatever you're doing, just start, just start doing it, do it because you like it. And all these things will fall into place. Yeah, absolutely. Even by just doing one version of the thing you want to do, you will learn so much by seeing it all the way through to the end and then releasing it, you know? Even if nobody watches it, you will have learned through the process of doing it so much more that you'll carry into the next one. And yeah, it's never going to be sustainable uh, if you don't love doing it. And if, if there's not a workflow in place that like you have kind of a control over and you can really focus in on uh because it is a lot of work that that's the other part of it is is i put a lot of thought and care into what i make which is a lot of long hours and again it's if you're not okay with that then it's it's might not be as sustainable <laughs> so it's it's you know it, it's tough it is indeed tough i mean there's the there's like you know a bunch of internet memes about working for yourself and they're they're usually pretty accurate you know, like, yeah, I started my own business so I could be my own boss and I could work my own hours. And then you're like, fuck, now I work 80 hours a week. <laughs> I, I work every fucking day, all day. It's all I think about. I can relate to that a lot. So, you know, again, it, this always comes back to 
a sincere passion for what you're doing, a sincere love for what you're doing. Because if you don't have that, you don't enjoy the ride. It's all just going to implode. Yep, totally. Moving on a little bit here, Alex. Do you have any intention to to release some of the original stuff that you've written? Because I, I know you do it, and I, I'm all but confident that you do it well. And I would love to hear that. You know, it, it's interesting. With the YouTube stuff, I really put... Uh, writing on the back burner for years and years and I do have original material out but it was self self-released I'm not really sure how much I can say but there there is promised original music <laughs> like it's legally binding I understand does it have something to do with the t-shirt you're wearing right now it does yes exactly <laughs> yeah we're, we we can put two and two together <laughs> yeah I I have some songs and and they're you know pretty standard like pop rock stuff. I And so when I became aware that I would have to write more, I got hooked up with a couple of writing sessions in Nashville. And uh, that was pretty intimidating to go from like not writing anything for seven years to now you're in a room with a person who writes a song a day. And uh, I, I didn't know how much to prepare. It's like, obviously... You don't want to just go in there with a fully formed song because then what's the point? But then you won't you don't want to walk in empty handed necessarily. But what ended up happening was I would walk in and I, I had these demos I made and I, and I would be like, here's some demos I made. You can listen to these and see if you're feeling any of them. And and in both the sessions I went to, the guy ended up just completely disregarding everything I brought in. And uh, we we just sat down and we talked about, you know, gener- generalities we pulled up references a lot. We would go to Spotify. We would say like, all right, well, what's exciting or interesting to you? Or, or what, are you, what are you going for? They would kind of get it in their head. And like, we would listen to stuff. We would point out things that we liked. And uh, then we would start talking about just like the overall idea of what you would want to get across in a song. And so we would hone in on that. And then we would just start like, you know, we would come up with very simple musical things, right? It, it was all... Not about, it's not about the chords, really. It's it's like, it's not about what riff you're going to put here. It's not about how the snare drum is going to sound. That all comes later. And so it's really about just cultivating the vibe of what you're trying to write. Then, you know, we're throwing out lyrics. We're throwing out melodies with those lyrics. Uh, additions, substitutions. Oh, that's a cool phrase. Let's try to incorporate that. There was a lot of like, I called it lyric fuel or I would just like write phrases that didn't have any artistic, you know, thing to them. They were just the idea I wanted to convey with a lyric. And so, um, you know, we would just take these ideas and try to fit them into the format of the song. And both sessions I did after about four hours, I left with most of a song. I had never worked that way. I thought I built it up in my head to like, oh, this is like a, a it's an expression of, of of what I am and how I feel. Surely you would need more than four hours to get that across, but it, it's just a, it's just like a snapshot of a moment that you wanted to create. It doesn't have yeah. to be the thesis of your whole life. No, it does not. It, it, it kind of opened up my mind after those sessions. I, I came back home and I wrote some more, and I'm still in the process of, of writing stuff, but uh, it's definitely a muscle that is completely separate from what I do on a weekly basis that I'm still trying to strengthen. And uh, it's it's really fun. It's really interesting. It's challenging. But uh, it, it is very exciting, too, because I think some of it's pretty good. And I'm excited to, like, 
uh, actually share it with people on on this on this level because everything I do now I'm I'm just like a parrot repeating someone else's thoughts and ideas, uh, which you know some I agree with, some I don't, uh, some I admire, and some I'm just like meh. But like they're not my ideas. It's it's going to be really cool when I start putting out my own words. <laughs> As weird as yeah. that is to say, there's just a different level of connection there with with people. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it sounds like you are, and I, I'm, dude, I, I can't wait. I, I'm rooting for you. I mean, look, you you have a pretty damn large following, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, all that combined. And even if 10% of your audience digs your original stuff, you have a fan base, and that's a starting off point. It, I mean, shit, dude, that's a gift. That's that's more than a lot of starting songwriters have. So, you know, look, again, it's it's about being an entertainer, building a market. Shit, man, dude, I, I talk to bands every fucking day, all day, about making records. It is my job. It's damn near every day that a band will talk about how much time they put into songwriting how how long they took to make this record then it comes time to record the record and spend a bunch of money on it let's assume they're even a a self-funded band they saved up money worked really hard and then they put it out and they're bummed that no one bought the record no one digested their content no one gave a fuck and it's a bummer i've been there it's sad but the reason that's happening is because they don't have a market they don't have a fan base. Our buddies, Four Year Strong, when they put out a record, there's a lot of people that want it. So that that's like a boom, boom, A, B. They, they, they make it. They put it out. There's a product. Pure Noise can sell it. And so, again, I, I just want to I want to encourage you and back you in, in your original ideas that when you do do it, don't overthink it. Like you said, it doesn't have to be this masterpiece record that you – fuck it, man. It's just a moment in time put it out and then you can do another one and you don't even have to do a full record just put out some shit and my guess is a lot of people are going to dig it yeah that it's it is very exciting the audience thing is is uh is really tough because you're never going to have an audience unless you put stuff out yep uh, and keep keep putting stuff out it takes the consistency uh a lot of times and then you know that's the thing that i like to you know say is Keep putting it out, and when people do find you, now they have this big backlog of stuff to check out. Yeah, and so they can go on their own journey, however deep they want to go. The audience thing, I do, I, like you said, I I feel incredibly lucky that people are interested in what I'm doing, and um, obviously, uh, my own original music is not going to get as many views as like a Blink One Eighty Two style YouTube video on day one. And I'm totally okay with that. I, it, you know, that's the people that do listen and whatever they take away. I think those interactions will mean so much more to me than a uh, than a comment on on like how I did or did not nail Travis Barker's style of drumming or whatever. Right. So I mean, it's probably a dumb question, but I would assume the way to put out your original material is through the platform that you're known for, right? You're not going to just put it up on Spotify. You're going to you're going to make it a YouTube video. You're going to do the Alex Melton thing to it, I would assume. You know, it, it's weird. I I've almost consider video making a completely separate but equal part of the the puzzle. Both things I've had to be very resourceful in uh in how I put things together, especially on the video end, especially on the lighting end and the set decoration end and 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 to a certain extent, the camera 
you know, aspect of things, it takes me a lot of trial and error to like, I will, I will spend an hour moving around a light in this room to try to get the best version of what it can look like, you know, and, and that's where my experience as a production manager for live stuff really, really helps because that's what I did. I lit artists for years. And, um, and so, you know, I kind of have the, the general concepts of how it works. And so yeah, I feel like that's a very important part of the artistic story, whether it's just me playing, see, seeing somebody play something already just gives you this whole other dynamic and then seeing, you know, them talk about it and explain it like on a, on a podcast or something, you get even more insight into that person and, and, um, as many mediums as you can kind of express yourself, they all help feed into each other. And uh, and even when you listen to the song just through audio, you're remembering what the person said about how they loved this really cool drum fill, or you're remembering how the smile on their face when they played this chord in a YouTube video, and, and it it helps to, to show yourself you know not everybody i guess there's people that even wear masks or whatever but yeah i find that being sincere and earnest works really well for me <laughs> i'll say that well yeah i mean I, it's the only way especially the the type of content you're doing i mean you know i don't know i i talk about this all the time but part of me i'm envious of my parents generation like in the 70s you know, growing up with like Led Zeppelin and shit. Those, if if you saw Zeppelin live, that might be the only time you ever see what those guys look like. Yeah, they might have a Rolling Stone article or a Cream article. Maybe there's one little picture of them on the record. You know, but other than that, these guys are fucking rock gods to you. That's why. That's why it was so mysterious back then because you just didn't see them. Uh, Tool is one of the last bands to pull that off especially back in the 90s, you just didn't see them. They didn't exist. They were just Tool. And so when you <laughs> saw them live, you saw Maynard fucking like a goddamn snake on stage with crazy face paint. It was it was wild, man. And there's something lovely about that. There's something very romantic about that. But this is 2022. And if you want to get your name out there, you are going to have to connect with an audience in a sincere human way. And I think you're absolutely right that when you do put out music, it's gonna it's gonna land more with a current audience if you if you let them know how you felt when you made it or what that room looked like when you did it. They they can reference that visual content and that experience to the audio. So yeah, man, I I, I don't know. It's either you you go all in on being mysterious and you don't have social media, but I don't know how you grow doing that i just don't i don't know how a modern band would ever build a fan base without it these days good luck you know my hat's off to you if you can <laughs> yeah yeah that's that would be that would be an interesting experiment i did have uh me and a couple of buddies put out a a like a little single like last uh, two years i guess it was during the pandemic when it was at its height and i, I remember we were like let's not tell anybody it was us let's just like put let's just make this fake band name we have this song. Yeah, it kind of sounds like us singing, but yeah. who's going to know? Like, And so we put right. it out on this channel, and uh, we made a special special YouTube channel for it and everything. It had a music video that I created that didn't show any of us, and uh, it it didn't get any views or anything. And I was like, well, what was, what was right. the point of that again? I, I don't know. Right. But, uh, and then we, we ended up putting it out 
with our faces and a lot more people enjoyed it. So, you know, ah, what do you know? I mean, look, it, it, again, this all depends on having a fan base. This It always comes back to do you have that support or not? If Corey Taylor from Slipknot did something like that with a bunch of other rock stars and then they sneakily hid their faces in the video and put it out on some obscure channel people will find it and they'll they'll probably start talking about it and there'll be reddit threads about it and that probably will be more viral but the only reason it is is because it's fucking Corey taylor from slipknot you know what i'm saying or if dave Grohl did that or some shit the drummer of nirvana he's got 30 goddamn years of being a rock star so um yeah it's uh such an interesting thing it's such an interesting thing to me in some ways rock and roll is dead <laughs> and in other ways it is more on fire than it's ever been and i i i could argue both sides pretty pretty equally yeah it's everything's changing real quick all the time it seems like real quick this is something i ask everyone that comes on the show alex what's your general like the the state of the union for music and the music industry how do you feel about it? Are you hopeful for our industry? Well, I mean, your industry is a little different. You're also a YouTuber and a social media person. But, you know, we can throw that in the hat too. Are, I guess, are you hopeful for the thing that you're doing? Do you, do you feel like it, it's got legs? And I will be honest with you. It helps me tremendously to not think about that kind of stuff. <laughs> I try to do what I'm doing and make sure I'm true to myself and make sure I am at least checking in with the comments enough to know like people enjoy this. Sure. I willingly close myself off to a lot of the like day-to-day buzz around like think pieces of of you know is TikTok the new billboard or what you know like right. I try right. I, I again this is this is only something that I've learned with uh with a little bit of age on me being in early 30s. I would not be anywhere close to where I am if if I got attention in my early 20s, I'll say that. In general, I think genuinely, yes. There there are so many there's so many avenues of discovery more than ever before, which you you have a lot of noise that you have to weave through because everybody wants their chance to be seen and there are platforms out there that are giving pretty much everybody a chance to be seen. Yes. And so that has brought me personally a lot of great discoveries in music. There was this guy last year that I saw. He was on TikTok kind of doing the same thing I was doing, covering songs and just having people you you know, watch. And I messaged him on Instagram. I was like, hey, man, what you're doing is really cool. And uh, I'm really vibing with your sound. And he was like, oh, thank you so much. And he had already followed me. And he was like, you know, very appreciative. And then a year later, I see he signs to Fueled by Ramen with Pete Wentz's label. And it's that guy from Games We Play. He blew up because of TikTok. And he's got really great music. And uh, people, that keeps happening to people. It keeps, you know, catapulting yes. people with a cool point of view and something to say into the limelight again it, it goes back to what we were saying earlier is it's it all comes down to what you do with that moment that moment in the sun that you get via the algorithm if you're ready for it then uh you will have a chance to connect with people genuinely and and there's some people that the other part of that is there's so many people just 
think it's the easy path to, you know, get famous or whatever. Uh, it's harder than you think. It doesn't exist. Yeah. It doesn't exist. Nothing's changed. You said it earlier, TikTok is at the new billboard. And uh, I know you were, you're being more, um, you're kind of teasing that, that question, but that there is a lot of truth to those kind of questions. Like our phones are now TV, TV, uh, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk always says that like our, our phones are now the, uh, the TV and the TV became the radio and, you know, it all just goes backwards and eventually there will be only these platforms. There will be no radio anymore because there's just no need for it. And they're, I mean, I, I'm 30, I just turned 39. So I really remember a time with MTV and that being the pinnacle of culture was MTV. Like, you know, TRL Live and Corn making it to the top one video of the week or whatever the fuck. Like, mm-hmm. that was such an important time. And now that has zero impact. There's no relevance at all for that. Like, no one gives a shit about MTV. And that happened pretty quickly. So, yeah, I, I say all that to, like, remind people that, yeah, it, maybe it does seem easier now than ever to get your name out there and it is the there are i guess less gatekeepers than ever but because of that now you really have to be good you have to be <laughs> skilled you have to fucking rule you you can't just put out crappy content it just doesn't work yeah and and you know to go along with that idea the the fact that there isn't just this boardroom of gatekeepers deciding what the nation listens to means music got a lot more diverse music got a lot more interesting and there's risks you can take there's specifics you can dive into because there there will be an audience for it you know that is very exciting to just have the landscape be wide open for people to just bring in um, you know genre seems to be more and more meaningless and and so you yeah. know you have all these different combinations of things that are so interesting like the space that rock music is in seems to be primed for just all these subgenres to to explode of of different like country tinge thing we have folk stuff there's like rap rock is hip hop elements and and you know there's endless combinations of any music you can find now and with TikTok and with Spotify it'll get put in front of people and then whether or not yeah. they become a fan is is up to you the artist totally yeah it's uh god what an interesting time it is like my niece she doesn't care about genres at all that's such a foreign thing to her she's 14 and for her like someone that is like i'm a rock person that's just so weird for them her 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 generation they're just like i fucking love it all you know they they just listen to music they watch tiktok it's all it is a weird time man it's like everything is Everything is better than it's ever been in some ways. There's more options for streaming and movie choices and television or, you know, series and music and types of genres. But because there's so much, it's like it's it's pretty rare when something really has a cultural impact. You know, the days of like Nirvana ever happening again, that probably will never happen again, which is sad. That's kind of there's a sadness to that. I don't know how else to do it. I mean, there's also a sadness to to the the fact that back then there were so many gatekeepers and how many other bands were not heard. You know, Nirvana just got really lucky. They're in the right place, right time, right songs, right look, whatever. Yeah, the the thousands of other bands that were not recognized back then, 
because they just didn't get a deal. They didn't get that label deal. They never got a booking agent. They never got on that tour circuit. And nowadays it's like, you don't need any of that, <laughs> which is a gift. It, it's for me, I just ping pong it back and forth. It's like, it's fucking awesome. There's more opportunities than ever, but also a lot of that mystique and, and, um, cultural impact went away. So I don't know. It's, uh, I don't know how I feel about it. All, all I, I guess at the end of the day, I ask these questions, all, all the guests, we have like a similar conversation every time. And it's because I'm obsessed with this. It's like, I think the point of all of it is that it doesn't matter. None of it matters. Like hmm. you said, there's no point to just sit and dwell on all of that about the state of the industry or what's popping off and what app should I get used to or not, or what platform should I try to get hot on? It doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. All that matters is doing something sincere to yourself and then, and then just go and hope for the best. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it, it can get overwhelming when you start tuning into everything. And so you, you almost have to be pretty, pretty choosy with, uh, how you sprint, spend your, your moments online and offline. So, yeah. You mean, look, you know, as much as I, I'm not sure how social media has impacted the world. Some say for the better, some say for the worse, maybe a little bit of both. All I know is it does allow opportunities and it allows people to have audiences. Here's some numbers for you, Alex. You have 23,000 followers on Instagram. You have 240 plus thousand followers on TikTok. And you have over 333,000 followers on YouTube or subscribers on YouTube. That's crazy. Add all that up. That's a huge fan base. That's a huge platform. There's a lot of power in that. And I don't know, man. I don't know what's a better trade-off. 1992, where you had to have Interscope sign you. You had to have Geffen Records give you basically like winning the lottery. You know, here, kid from middle of nowhere, here's a record deal. And then we're going to put you on tour for the rest of your life. And we're going to own half of everything you ever make. I don't know. <laughs> is that better? Maybe. I, I don't fucking know. All I know is I'm looking at these numbers and I go, well, that's a ton of fucking people. And it is, if you it if is. you start doing some live shows and putting together some more touring, my guess is you'll convert some of those numbers again, even if it's five percent of that, ten percent of it. Those are some pretty rad shows and and actual venues with real numbers. So I'll I'll transfer into the other part of the conversation. Where are you on the concept of touring and doing live shows? I know you've done some here and there. Um, is that something you want to pursue more? Yeah, that's a very interesting, you know, concept for me. I am very much an introvert. I am very much a homebody. I I love my wife and my cats and our couch. By the way, not to interrupt you, but I think that's part of our conversation of today. Is that I'm I'm a similar person. I like being home. I love I like traveling. Don't get me wrong. But touring was never for me. To be fair, I never got in a huge scale of touring. I think that might have changed my mind <laughs> if I was playing larger venues with buses and hotels. But I, I'm like you. I, I like being home and I like my wife and my cats and, and the home life. So that's what a, what a gift that you figured that out, that you figured out how to be a musician in, in a current time, your cats walking behind you. That's uh that what that's so fucking rad, man. Like there there's very rare examples that you can point to where someone made a living off being a musician 
or really an artist at all and could just do it from home. So anyway, I didn't want to interrupt you, but that, that is something I, I wanted to point out. That is huge. And that is pretty much the reason why, why I'm here. I, I, I don't think it would have happened for me any other way. That being said, I have played a few shows and they're really fun. Yeah. Once you get past the like the technical aspects of like, okay, well, I'm just kind of this one guy. Now I need to find musicians. Now I need to like put together a, like an in-ears rig. I'm I'm completely DIY when it comes to all of that. Like yeah. down to the rehearsals, down to the programming of the the intro of the show you know, down to the, the MacBook that has all the levels on it. You know, so there's there's all that, and there's the interpersonal dynamics. I'm very lucky to be able to take uh, some of my friends whenever I do play shows, and, and we'll go and just have, have a good time together. Almost use it as an excuse to have a beer in yeah. a new place. Yeah, The shows are really fun. When you have somebody, you know, come up to you and shake your hand and say, like, your stuff is really cool. Uh, thanks for being here. And it's like, it's it, it really affected me the first, you know, the first couple of times I went out and did these shows with my name being, you know, on the bill and people showed up because my name was on the bill. And, and yeah. it's it's very meaningful and it's it's very fun. I mean, at the end of the day, you're up there on stage and you're just jumping around and you're feeling the music and you're looking at other people feel the music. And, and even at the level I'm at where I'm singing other people's words... We all love those words the same way, and we all know them by heart. And uh, it really turns into this, like, we're all singing. It's You're not just watching me mm-hmm. sing. We're all singing yeah. it together. And that... Especially what you do. Yeah. Especially your, your lane. Well, there's something very powerful about live shows in that way that, you know, a, a YouTube comment or a TikTok comment or the the... The reaction you get online is great. And there's also, I'm sure, a huge level of appreciation on your end. It's all it's all good. There's a magic there for sure. But nothing makes up for someone taking off work. Maybe they got a babysitter. They had to fucking pay for parking. They bought a ticket to your show. They drove through, you know, in traffic. And you know what it's like to leave your house. It's a nightmare. And most people don't have to leave their house these days. They do everything from home. So it means a lot. When people show up somewhere physically and they're standing in front of you, sharing a same physical space, human to human, they're mirroring back how much they love your art. That's why live shows are very important and they'll never go away. The tour industry is better now. Well, I don't know if it's better now than ever, but it's it's fucking strong, especially post-COVID. People have a, a hunger to get out and go see bands. Yeah. So anyway, I, I hope that you can figure out how to do more of it. Definitely will. Yeah, and hopefully there's a way you can do some of your original material, whether that's with a band. Speaking of bands, do you ever think about starting a band or joining a band or doing this as like a... Because you, you clearly could, right? I mean, you could easily just fall into being in a band. You know what you're doing. You know, you strap a guitar on. Or shit, you're even a talented drummer. You could do that as well. And I don't think um, I don't think that would would not make sense. Yeah, I, I I just have the the tiniest amount of narcissism. I think I want my name to be on it all. <laughs> but um, <laughs> hey, man, that's good to know about yourself, dude. That's important to know about yourself, and that's important that you also. It's worth pointing out that you built all this. You did it. You built this fan base, and sure, you have a team, and they're they're probably very important to you. But 
you you started it, you know, and it is under your name. There's a lot of risk in that, putting yourself out there like that. So yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If you ever wanted to play in a band or be in a band, it should be your thing. So that makes sense to me. I, I what I am excited about is collaborating with other artists, like in a in a producer capacity or something like that. Yeah, producing is something I wanted to ask you about. Is that something you want to do more of? Are you interested in in producing other people's records, like a classic record producer? Every day I learn more and more what the term means, <laughs> and I think there's multiple definitions. There's multiple styles of producing. I certainly would love to really get in on the the ground floor of a song or a group of songs with an artist that I really believe in and just mold it into what they their vision you know like I feel like I have yeah. a pretty good handle on the technical methods of how the engineering part of it yeah of, of how to get an artist vision to the audio format and so I think that would be a really nice change of pace for me to not have to be the one that's uh, on the drum kit or, or playing the guitar or singing, but like still have my hands in how it ends up sounding. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, have you done that? Has a band come to you like, hey, I, we, we're making an EP. Can you produce our, our thing? I simply don't have the... Uh, I, I, I would want like a better space that would hold more than just like one or two people at a time. I'm going to be honest, the schedule right now uh, <laughs> doesn't really allow yeah. for extracurriculars in that way. So, but I mean, it's, it's kind of on the, on the vision board as a, as a more medium to long-term goal. Well, I can't help but start producer managing. That's all I, that's all I think about. And you'd be clearly a, a, a good producer. I think you could make it happen again. You know, like any of the producers that I, I work with or talk to that say they come from a prominent band or they have a following it's the same thing it's a gift you know if you did want to start producing other people's music mixing songwriting coll collaborating in that way you have a fan base and you have an audience which a lot of producers starting out don't have <laughs> i could promise you that they learn how to use pro tools <laughs> and like i want to be a producer engineer mix engineer guy and they have to start from the bottom and build a discography in that sort of old-fashioned way so that would be pretty cool. Yeah, it's 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 exciting. It's exciting to think about. So yeah, there's there's all kind of ideas brewing all the time. Like I'm sure you're you're the same way. Like you said, you can never stop thinking about work. So yeah. Oh yeah. Couple last questions for you as we wind this thing down. I wanted to ask you about something that I struggle with and I know a lot of other people struggle with is how to utilize well, how do you how to utilize social media in its fullest capacity? Let's just take the top three, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, obviously Facebook and Twitter, and there's other stuff, but those are probably the big three prominent ones right now. How do you decide and how do you chop up your content so it's in bite-sizable bits and clips? You know, you make a, a big YouTube video, but you don't post that entire video on TikTok. How do you do that? Is that something you strategize with your team? I'm bad at it, I think. <laughs> Well, clearly you're not. Whether or not I post on Instagram on any given day really comes down to if I feel like being perceived in that moment. Like, like it's it's nothing business <laughs> related. Um, I will say there there is a little bit of a strategy. Obviously, with with YouTube consistency. If people like something, keep doing it. But at the same time, don't stop trying new things because 
most of the time you'll know pretty soon if the new thing can be, can be added into the rotation of consistency or that was just a one-off. You know, there's a balance of like what people want to see in here versus what they might enjoy that they don't know they might enjoy yet. Um, are you, are you, okay. Yeah. I was making sure you looked frozen for a second. You're still there. Hello. No. Oh no, I'm here. I'm yeah, I'm here. Yep. Just bad internet probably. Um, but with, with, uh, with TikTok, that is really like a throw everything at the wall. Like if, if, if you put something up and it doesn't do well, that means nobody saw it. That means the, there were no stakes to begin with. So if, if it doesn't do well, the worst thing is that you can try again with no judgment, right? Um, and so, in, like, I, will, I, I don't do this, but I've heard of people, like, they'll post the same TikTok, like, nine times and then just delete the ones that didn't perform well. It's so, like, yeah. the stakes have never been lower. But with, with Instagram, I'm a little more thoughtful about what I post and it's it, it's it, it's a little more than just let me chop up the video into seven different parts and I'm going to post one each day part number four out of that seven might have been not engaging or, or you know like not interesting and so I go through and I sometimes recontextualize certain parts with just the caption even it, it's if the if the song if the video concept was like one thing that doesn't mean the Instagram version has to have the same right kind of like premise. Theme. Yeah, you don't want to just go repurposing without any type of strategy. So that there is a little bit of like, okay, well, would this make sense on a standalone basis? There's a little bit of artistic curation in that process where you're not posting everything, but making sure what you do post is entertaining on its own without the context of everything and engaging. And you know, there, there is that side of like the outrage in interaction where you're just like, uh, purposefully posting something wrong. So people will correct you. I, I don't really do that. Uh, but you know, that is a very, very effective strategy, unfortunately, that a lot of people like to utilize. But again, it it's all just from like, here's this cool thing. I want to share it with you my uh, Instagram follower. You follow me because you trust that I will show you things that I'm interested in and our interests are pretty much aligned to the point where you're probably going to be interested in it too. So again, it's, it's really on, on the surface, it's, it's just back to that sincerity thing of, of making sure that it's something you would want to watch yourself. And is that something you're doing yourself or is this part of having a team you know, are they editing clips for you and posting for you? The the minutia of like editing and 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 like exporting and and everything, I do that. Except for, you know, with the pure noise singles, they actually have somebody that that will you know chop up the stuff and put the graphics on, and and that's nice. But I I like to retain a lot of that editing uh, control myself. Yeah. What about the Tom Denny Allen Day? stuff what's what's the plan for that so that that both of those guys worked on two halves of the the record that we're putting out with pure noise uh it's a compilation covers record one half is rock versions of country songs and the other half is country versions of pure noise rock songs which is awesome yeah um so i think we're announcing the next 
single. I think we're announcing the whole album in October. Okay. And then it will be out early next year. And it's going to have the whole, I can't believe I'm getting shipped a test pressing of the vinyl as we speak. And that's kind of bonkers. That's so cool. There'll be merch and all kind of stuff. So that's, that's what that project was and is. What was the first single? I should probably know this since they're two of my producers. I just don't remember. The the something like that. I forget the name of the artist. It's a really big country guy. Oh yeah. But yeah, I had a the Ryan Scott Graham from State Champs was was singing on it with me and um we put that out quite a while ago. Yeah. Before I think it might have been before I even went with Alan to record the back half of the record. So that's been kind of floating out there and then I did a country cover of uh State Champs Secrets. And we kind of release those as kind of like a yeah, that's right. A twofer there, right? Alan is uh, he was really excited about that. He talks about it every once in a while, like how he was excited that he got to do the other way around, you know, because he's known for being the pop punk guy, and it was kind of fun mm-hmm. for him to do pop punk songs gone country instead of bring country songs and make them pop punk. So that was pretty fun for him. It really suited him. He. Um, yeah. What a phenomenal like musician. He really gave it 110% in there. I mean, he, he was just like, he was borrowing banjos from relatives and sitting there learning how to play it on the spot. And That's great. That whole, we had like a whole two week period in, in this studio. And again, I maybe it was naive of me or a little bit hopeful, but I walked in there on day one having done zero pre-production yeah we took every song from nothing to the finished product and in the end you know i i have a pretty strong work ethic i i didn't get in this business to just float around i i i'm excited to get in there and and get in the weeds and he definitely is too and so it was just crazy amounts of creativity just in the air and it was a very very cool time to be working with him that's awesome to hear man well we got to do more of it He, he definitely he dug it, and it's a obvious good fit. Same with Tom. I mean, Tom is crazy talented. <laughs> Tom Denny can seemingly do anything. Yeah, yeah. And it's I'm I'm happy to see he's he took kind of a hiatus, you know, as a producer and songwriter, and he's he's back at it again, killing it. So it's pretty cool. That was my first studio experience ever was working with Tom, and um, he really he kind of. Uh, was really nice in, in, in like guiding me through how everything works. So yeah, I, I, I really love Tom. So he didn't scare you with his biker outlaw face tattoos or anything. He didn't make you cry. <laughs> I mean, there's no universe in which that man is going to make anybody cry. I think he's Dude, such a sweetheart. That's what's so funny about him. He's, he's such a nice guy. He is just so sensitive and nice. And I genuinely think he doesn't want to hurt anyone. You know, he's, fucking been through it all too and um i think it makes an interesting person so it's a good reminder if you're if you're going through it right now remember that the nothing's permanent you can always turn it around you didn't get too deep into whatever you're doing it's all good yep he's a shining example yes he is let's start landing this this ship here and um winding her down is there anything that you want people to know about alex anything you're working on anything that you want to promote as they say uh a lot of exciting stuff happening on my youtube channel right now we've i've got i just brought on a co-producer who's helping me um kind of split the workload which honestly uh, it it means basically that every song is getting dove into that much more because uh we have the time to kind of divide and conquer 
uh, really talented guy that I'm working with named Tyler. And we're starting to integrate maybe some like uh, narrative stuff into certain series we're doing and some really cool creative like, again, YouTube videos as opposed to just music that happens to be on YouTube. We're really trying to get into the YouTube of it all. So just yeah. stay tuned on the channel. I think that's that's the best place to, to check it out. That's amazing. Do you, do you have any plans to do more vlog style stuff? Or is it always going to have some thoughtful narrative and, and, and a music based thing? Uh, if, if there if there's an audience for for like, you know, like uh, production stuff, I'd, lo- I'd love to talk about, you know, Pro Tools yeah. and, and guitars and and that kind of world. And again, you know, if I if I end up doing more shows, I'd love to make a video out of that. It's it's logistically yeah. tough sometimes, but yeah, that's that's hopefully the goal. Yeah, I would love to see like a, a day in the life kind of thing with you. And it reminds me, have you ever been to Nam before, Alex? I have not. That might be something that you would love to do. I bet you would do really well out there. I mean, between you know sponsorships and all the free, it's just a get free place they just give you shit when you go there get free shit kind of place i'm in you've sold me yeah i mean between like management your team stuff i'm sure they could set up a a booth for you out there get a couple sponsors it'd be really fun you could do maybe a live situation for an afternoon it's a fun event and i think you'd be a shoo-in because you're you're a unique creator where you're a youtuber some people probably refer to you as you're a musician a writer you reimagine what people do and you also write your own stuff. And you're also a qualified audio engineer on, on most levels. You could probably make a record of the band fairly easily. Sure, you have some questions along the way, but I think that all makes for a well-rounded person. Love that. Love to hear that. Go team. Dude, this has been super fun. I appreciate the time. Yeah, man. Let's uh, let's keep talking. I, I'm a big fan of yours, and and anything we can do to help and collab with with anyone, either we work with or whatever the fuck, um, you know, the partnership with Sound Talent, Dave Shapiro and, and gang allows us more opportunities, and we have a, a larger network of of artists we all work with. So if you ever want to collab, man, hit us up. We're down to do it. Yeah, I'm all in on all of it. Hell yeah. Well, say hi to your cat. They're they're clearly running around being a little jerk. Aren't they the worst? God, they're the worst. They're the I have worst three the cats, best. and they're just—they're just assholes, man. They have their moments, yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. All right, dude. Well, thanks again. I appreciate it, buddy. It was great. Great talking to you, dude. Thank you. Hey, this is Aaron from No Simple Road. I'm inviting you to come hang out with Apple, Mel, and I as we talk with the musicians, artists, chefs, authors, and beyond from the world that turns us on. We're reaching into the improvisational music scene, the psychedelic culture, the festival world, and getting to know what makes the people tick that create those scenes. Come join us on the long, strange trip over at No Simple Road.